Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon. Blog Talk Radio. Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is February 3rd, 2021. Wow, it just seems like such a crazy, crazy even new year, right? Um, Welcome everybody who's out there. You can join the chat room. I think it's probably easier to do on on your computer. Maybe you can do it if you have a smartphone or iPhone, but um, if you want to call in, I am going to take calls, 818-475-9211. Now, I was going to do a show on the failed war on drugs, and I really wanted to do that show with somebody who's an expert. I think that I know way more than I ever knew before when I was in AA all those years. So I thought, no, I'm going to put it off. I, I moved it down the road about a month and I decided that there were two more chapters that were worth tearing up, which I, I forgot about. And, I mean, I really could do more, but I, I can't stand the family afterwards and um, the other one to the wives. But the, the th- three and four, more about alcoholism, are really worth tearing apart. And a woman in one of the Facebook groups, so if you are listening for the first time, I have numerous Facebook groups. One is called Leaving AA. That's it. Um, I have another one, Leaving AA and Still Liking It. I created that for people who, I don't know, left and didn't hate it. Then I have Pro AA versus AA Critical. And then I have Make It Safer. I have the 13-step group. And I don't know, I think I have like, I have Expose AA. Maybe I think I have like eight or ten groups. And um, then there's deprogramming from AA or any 12-step group. And I am the filmmaker of the 13-step, if you didn't know that. And if you want to watch it, you can watch it on Amazon Prime for free. You can watch it on Vimeo. You have to pay. I think it's $1.99 to rent it. And you can watch it on Tubi 
for free. I don't know how that works, and I don't make any money or much money. And that's not really what it's about anyway. So there's all that. But I would like to, if you have never um, given it, the film a review, would love it if you would do that on Amazon. And then I'm trying to build a presence on YouTube so eventually I can do live streaming on that. And uh, and that way we could interact. It's like really different. And There I need people to go and subscribe, and then you can go forward with that. But it looks like I have maybe... Maybe my friend is in there. I'm not sure. Let me just check and see. Check and see. Um, okay, let's see. Oh, my God. I do hate when you're just looking for stuff. Okay. So we have a couple people in the queue. Hi to Kevin. I can see you're there. There's nobody in the chat room. Uh, boy, that first or second time I did a show recently, there was a ton of people in there. And that was kind of fun. I, I've not seen it like that in many years. So I want to just start with this. I'm going to bring you in. I'm going to see who's there, and maybe you know we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about alcoholism. Uh, there's some stuff in here that is so crazy, and I have uh, some stories I want to tell for when I left AA and then went to some meetings to support some of the women that were speaking out that were in the film, and one of them was Keeper. It was a pretty crazy story, but... Most of us have been, this is Chapter 3, more about alcoholism, from the book of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous from, I don't know, 75 years ago. So those who don't know, it like they kind of started, or they did start in 35, and the book was released five years later. So we know that there really was very little, uh, any kind of real studying that went on. And this really, really is a very religious book. But I'm just going to click on this and see who... Is here. Hi, caller. <laughs> who do we have on? Hello. Who do we have on the phone here? My name is Tom. Hi, Tom. Did you want to talk? Or you want to listen? No, I'm just. Uh, it said I was unmuted. I didn't know why I was, but I. Oh, am. I'm sorry. You want me to mute you? Again? <laughs> I, yeah. How do I do that? You okay, mute can me. I mute you again? Well, I'm listening and enjoying it. Okay. Thank you. Now I'm going to click on this. And if I if I knock you off, just call back in to listen, okay? Okay. Yep. So sorry. Here here we go. Okay. No, it's not working. This is so weird. And I'm going to do this, but it might drop you. You'll have to call back, okay? Yep. It used to be you could just mute people. Let me click on that. It's not working. There you go. I'm so sorry. Tom, he was listening in. He didn't want to say anything. I know. Some people. Anyway, call back, Tom. Uh, all right. So this is. Oh my God. There is more about alcoholism. All right. Most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. All right. So uh, first of all, I have a real problem with this first line, and it is underlined. Um, you know, calling people real alcoholics. You're just a a baby alcoholic. I want to say that, you know, people, they really don't use this word in clinical mm, environments anymore, alcohol use disorder, substance use disorder. But really, alcohol use disorder is what's used. And so that's a really, really old word, and it is not even used in the DSM-5. Not that everybody, you know, looks to that as the holy grail, but... You know, it isn't, people don't use the word alcoholic 
uh, in a clinical setting anymore. Now, if you're in an AA rehab or we're around a lot of AA people or maybe in somebody who was in it and, you know, you leave, um, the language is one of the things that I noticed was really changing when I left, and that is they don't call it that, and no one likes to think he's bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Well, you know, I really bought into some of this when I was so young and so new, but I do not anymore. Of course, we're all bodily and mentally different, and there are people who can have mental health issues and other people don't. And But the thing that I'm really seeing is the help that people can be getting with plant-based medicine. And I think I am kind of leading up to, I'm going to bring some people on who are experts. I know people personally who've done psilocybin journeys with therapists. So um, it is legal in some cities. It is really being pushed by John Hopkins, which has been doing studies now for quite some time, proving that it cures depression and it cures addictive drinking. And it also helps people who are dying from cancer who are maybe really freaked out about dying. Uh, So my book is such a mess, it won't stay open. (laughs) Really, I'm going to have to like just... Here we go. I'm not going to read the whole thing because there's no reason. Um, Therefore, it's not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove we could drink like other people. The idea that somehow someday we will control and enjoy his drinking, that doesn't make any sense, but anyway, that somehow someday he will and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing, and many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. Now, this was read very often in Hawaii, as well as Chapter 5 was not, read, was not read as much, but I know that in California it became like the way that meetings started, and that was influenced by Clancy and the Pacific Group, and thank God Clancy is now gone. But um, so, you know, I, I do think that there are some people – that, you know, just have a different reaction. And from my experience, talking to so many people and having loved ones in my life who've maybe had issues around alcohol, that those who like alcohol are not going to become opiate lovers. Opiate or heroin lovers really don't have a problem with alcohol. And pot smokers who love that, they don't have a problem with this. And it seems like In AA and NA, they lump everything together like it's all the same. And, you know, it isn't the same. And over the years, I would see that with some people and be like, question it. But in AA, that's what they've done. And, um, of course, they had to create Narcotics Anonymous because AA didn't want to mix with uh, heroin addicts or addicts, right? So they didn't want to do that. But people are really different. And when I've talked to people who you would never think um, would be addicted to opioids. You know, most of them were pills. There's not a lot of, I don't have a ton of stories. I do know people over the many, many, like 40 years that uh, did have a problem with heroin. But this was more with these opioids and these pills. And I got to tell you, they really are just regular people. And the younger people, millennials especially, that I've come across, 
who never believed in powerlessness did not go down the road that, of any of this nonsense that's here in this book. But listen to this. It says, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves. I wonder what your outermost self is, that we were alcoholics. So that was like this primary thing that you had to really buy into this and say this, which was actually pretty hard for me, um, even though drinking became problematic. But uh, I would say that I was, um, you know, somebody who used it problematically and, and self-medicating as a teenager, and not the other, not the other way around. So this is the first step in recovery. Now, this is really the way that they really, really get people. Is you got to admit this: the delusion. So now they're telling you're deluded. The delusion that we are like other people, or presently maybe, has to be smashed. It's like just really hardcore, um, intense language saying that you're going to be like other people. So now you're starting to feel stranger and stranger about yourself if you're staying in AA, listening to this crap, and buying into it. And there are people, the reason that I've decided to go back and do some of this tearing up the big book is because every day or every other day, there's a new person that joins the leaving AA group. Now, it used to be people came on blogs, but the blogs have become really quiet, and Facebook is where they are Right now, I mean, that could change in a year and it'd be somewhere else. But, you know, every week there are many people that join and they are leaving or they're thinking about leaving, but they're afraid and they feel brainwashed and they're questioning and wondering, you know, if they leave and if they have a drink, even though these people, many of them have stayed sober, and I'll say sober in quotes, or abstinent from alcohol or whatever drug of choice. There's a guy I've been following, or his choice was heroin, and he wants to stop craving it right? He wants to stop craving it. And so I talked about plant-based medicine. And there, of course, there are drugs now through MAT, right? Medically assisted treatment and Suboxone and stuff. But, you know, I hear a lot of mixed messages about that. So the things that I hear really clear cure change completely is from psilocybin and ayahuasca. Ayahuasca being, um, you know, a much, much stronger plant and um, psilocybin, a more gentle one. And I'm not, you know, promoting the use of it. I'm going to put a disclaimer here because the world is filled with cancel culture um, and wouldn't, who God knows what else, but that, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a therapist, and I am uh, well, well experienced and versed um, in AA as a long-time ex-member. And uh, what I see now is a real shift but I think that our culture in, in Hollywood is still like knee deep in this fucking shit pile of bullshit in this book from the 1930s that was never vetted, that was never studied and said, okay, you guys, and I, I know I'm repeating myself and I think it's worth repeating because trust me, if you sat in AA meetings, you were you know, saying the same crap over and over, which is what brainwashing is, right? Brainwashing is, it's we that matters, I don't matter, us that matters, um, not me, okay? And that's in every cult. And even though I think that A is sort of a lightweight cult, the problem with AA, it's so entrenched everywhere. It's entrenched in the government, it's entrenched in probation, it's in, in you know, in the prison system, Hollywood, um, in journalism now, you know, you got these guys with 25 years sober and they work at all these big newspapers and nobody really knows what AA, and some people don't. And it's just so promoted that it's kind of disgusting. But I'm going to keep going. 
Oh, yeah, this one. This line here, honey, this is on page 30. We are like men who have lost their legs. They never grow new ones. Now, I said this crap all the time in meetings so that we are like the guys who lost their legs. Like, we're never going to. We're never going to get over it. Like, we're always going to be stuck somehow being this semi-sick person who can never drink again. Now, I didn't want to drink again. I don't know about you, but I didn't want to drink. I didn't drink for 37 freaking years. I drink now. I drink really moderately now, really normally. Um, and I don't like to drink every day. I don't like to get drunk. Um, one drink sometimes is plenty, maybe two, but... The point being that this stuff, um, you know, is pretty... Well, this book does not want to stay open. This is really funny. It just keeps closing. Um, Of course, it's like torn on page 62. It's like broken. Um, The book is... (laughs) So, no, we're not. We're not like men who have lost their legs at all. And that's what a girl, a young woman said to me, can you please talk about what you would replace with what they're saying. So I would say, no, we haven't lost our legs, and no, we're not broken. And I think it's Pink. She has a great song. Remember, during the um, really hard closure in March, I got in my car, and I just drove, and I drove on the freeway, and it was, like, really empty. I swear it was one that was, like, maybe me and another car. And um, I, was, um, I turned on the radio, and she was singing that song, and I thought, wow, you know, we're not broken, just bent. What a great um, lyric, and, uh, you know, her take on that was pretty cool. Um, they never grow new ones, it says here, neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make alcoholics of our kind like other men. Okay, so this shit was written between 35 and 40 or 39. So what the fuck is, are people still going by this and reading it and studying and sending their kids to it and, like, paying 30000 a month? to something that they said, oh, there was no treatment. Oh, oh, was there naltrexone back then? And, you know, uh, especially naltrexone, which is a pill where you take an hour before you drink. These are for people who really don't want to stop. They really want to learn how to moderate. And you want to watch a fabulous movie called One Little Pill by actress Claudia Christian. She has a great book. Um, Oh, what's it called? It's something from Babylon. But look her up, Claudia Christian. She has a nonprofit called um, the C3 Foundation. She has helped hundreds, if not thousands, by now. She is in my film, and but her film came out first. Fantastic film about those who don't want to be abstinent. So, but naltrexone wasn't even around. Naltrexone has been around for 20 years, if not more. It's a very inexpensive drug, and more and more physicians are learning about it. And I do know that they've given it to people and said, you know, just take it and don't drink it. It helps with cravings. I don't know anything about that. But uh, anyway, I'm not a doctor. So here we go. So now they're saying there's no treatment. Well, that's not true. We have tried every manageable remedy. All right. Well, they tried everything back there. In some instances, there has been brief recovery, followed always by still a worse relapse. Physicians who are familiar with alcoholism agree there is no such thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic Science may one day day accomplish this, but it hasn't done so yet. And so um, that's the point where they usually stop in a meeting. And I remember being at this meeting out in Lake Elsinore, listening to Keeper tell her story, and she asked me to come for support. And I went, and um, 
she asked me to be like her opening speaker, I think, or we would talk for like five minutes. So I did, and but, the, but before I said anything, the guy got up and he read this, and I said, you know, there are lots of scientific things in medicinal medicine, plant and non-plant, that are helping people. And, you know, people have even said cannabis has helped them um, cut back on their drinking harm reduction. Like, so the approach being to reduce the harm rather than to completely quit. Yeah, there's some people who need to quit. Absolutely, I agree with you. There are people who need to stop. Some people need to stop for six months. Some people should stop for a few years. Some people never want to drink again. Maybe that's not a great idea to drink again, and I think that's fantastic. Why not? You know, there's like all kinds of religions where that's part of their religion. If somebody, that's their... That's their thing, then go ahead, right? But but to force this on young people, on teenagers, uh, you know, there's like rehabs for kids who are like from 12 to 18. Like why? I mean, to me, it's just it's just really messed up. But okay, let's keep going. Despite all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe they are in that class. Oh, my God, this is just so, it's so dark here. By every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove to themselves ex- exceptions to the rule, and therefore non-alcoholic. Okay, so I am gonna I'm gonna see who's on this. Somebody who called in, who I asked to call, and I'm gonna see if they are that person. Hi there, it's Monica. Hi, caller. Would you like to talk Hello, or ask a question? Who's this, Monica? Yes, who's this? Can you hear me? Can you hear? You can hear me. This is Bobby C. over here in uh, Huntington Beach. Okay. Can you, what would you like to say, Can Bobby? you hear me, Mark? I can. I'd like to talk about anything you want to talk about. You're talking about more about alcoholism. And, and, and it's like alcoholic, 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 you know, nine times in here, over and over, real alcoholic. I think they said that about three times. I could see twice in here. Alcoholism. I mean, it, you're right. Repetition is the mother of brainwashing. And that's what we've done. You know, I know you've been in Alcoholics Anonymous for years and so have I. For many, 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 30 years. And I'm not proud to even say it. Uh, oh. I'm, I'm actually ashamed of it, you know, uh, to yeah. say how long I was in that program. Uh, but you know what? I did a lot of good because I, I was deprogram helping deprogram people way back then because I knew most of it was a bunch of shit. Really? Uh, me, really? Yeah. Me, me, me personally, I did the, I went to meetings, didn't drink. I didn't go to meetings and I didn't drink. Mm-hmm. I had a sponsor. I didn't drink. I didn't have a sponsor. I didn't drink. I, everything I did, I proved them wrong all the time. You know, I had right. to prove it for myself. Uh, right. I did the 12 steps. I did it. I did all the 12 steps. I had a sponsor. I did the 12 steps. Then I didn't do the 12 steps. <laughs> and I stayed sober. You know? Mm-hmm. So all along, everything, I was so lucky, Monica, that what happened to me, I had an open mind when I came to hell in for some reason. I don't even know. But I had what? this open mind. But the, the thing is, back when we came in, what, what other choice was there? I had no other choices. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't even a smart recovery. I didn't have the internet, right? In 1984, yeah. I didn't have the internet. Uh, all I knew is that they told me I was an alcoholic. Society told me that. 
You know, society told my mother-in-law, society told my wife, society told everybody, you know, that I was an alcoholic. So here I go. Somebody comes over to my house and helps me, and he becomes my sponsor, and he brings me to a meeting. And and what's the first thing? Repetition? You know, Bobby C. My name is Bobby C., and I'm an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Over and over. I mean, Monica, I know I I do this every day, and I know you do too every day. Uh, This is my passion today to help mm-hmm. others to kind of uncover. And I, I don't, I, I'm like you, I, I'm really, I don't like to knock the members because I, I actually think that in the beginning, I was like a victim of this cult. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm like, now I'm not victimized. I don't have to be victimized today because right. I'm, I'm, I'm conscious. I grew, uh, I became right. aware of the bullshit. But for me, I, I always was like in, they always had me, um, in cognitive dissonance, always, you know, I was always like, oh, I'm leaving. Well, let me go to another meeting, you know, mm-hmm. go to another meeting. They sucked me back in, you know, and uh, I remember in early in sobriety, I was going to the Christian churches because I was raised Catholic, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, me it's too. not like I, it's, it's not like I didn't know what, what churches were, priests were, amends were, uh, all right. the all the promises that they gave us, all the Ten Commandments. So, so like when I came into AA, I I could I could identify all that stuff with the church, you know. So I kept on saying to myself, even in the beginning, I'd say, well, the meetings, I'll go to meetings, but these big book meetings, they're the, that's the religious part of the meeting, you know. And then then when I went to a step meeting, and I got to that third step, you know. That's when, that's when uh, actually they started to really mess with my brain. Mm. The third step how, how always sober messes were you with everybody. When you, when you felt, how so much sober or how long when that happened and you felt, because I really identify with that. I felt, how long were you sober when that started to happen and can you describe like more about it? Well, as I, as I said, I was, I was born an atheist, actually. My mother gave me her Catholicism. She gave me a Catholic. I had to do all the ritual Catholic stuff, right? So yeah. I, I knew what church was. So when it gets to the third step, I, I, I didn't buy it. I just, mm-hmm. I just didn't buy it. And they kept on – everything was hypocritical. It was like, it was like um, they'd say one thing, it's spiritual, but they always go back to God. You know, and, and, and I kept on getting confused about that. And at one point in my life, I was probably maybe about what, two, three years sober, you know, and and I'm saying to myself, two, three years sober, I'm doing a four step with a priest. Right. And the priest tells me to just keep on, keep on doing your amends, you know, and uh, do, do your, do your deal. And, um, I just, and then I went to, I went to, um, started getting into the Christian fellowship because I, I felt like I was, I was lacking something. I, I, there was something wrong with me because all these other people were always talking about God, like in the church sense, in the religious sense, yeah, not in a yeah. spiritual sense. Not, it wasn't in a spiritual sense. It was almost like they, they were hijacking spirituality. Yeah. And calling oh, it they sure have. spiritual, yeah, they have. right? Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. right? So yeah. that's where I was ambivalent 
back and forth, you know. And it actually, you know what? I believe it drives people crazy. I believe these twelve steps are like a mind fuck. You know, yeah. it just brings yeah. you in a circle. It keeps on, it keeps on yeah. circling around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I like do think like that yeah. Go ahead. You know, can I ask you something? Because you have such a great New York accent that sounds so familiar to me to my uncle, Nick. Where did you grow up in the city? I grew up right over the bridge from Philadelphia, South Jersey. Oh, if it's South Jersey. What part of Jersey? Cherry Hill area. Oh, okay. Yeah, I went down to the Jersey Shore that's all like, the time. That's like, yeah, that's like 45 minutes from AC, Atlantic City. Right, right. But you know, but anyway, yeah. everybody, everybody from over the bridge has a Philly accent, and everybody from North Jersey has the New York accent. But uh, but but I left uh, I left Jersey probably thirty uh, something. I moved to Arizona. Wow. Maybe maybe thirty seven, eight, thirty eight years ago. I was in Arizona, and I mean, oh it, it was just I, I can relate to so much when you share, because it seems like people that have that were in it for years and years and years and years, mm-hmm. they got, they, they have this, um, it's, it's almost, and, and, and now we're out. I've been out about six years completely. Mm-hmm. And now we're out. And it's almost, I have this moral obligation yeah. to, to, to express, tell other people, what, what the hell you know I went through and what they're still doing today, but, but well, and but how you, do you, you do mention that? It. Like, do you have a podcast? Or, yeah, so do I. I feel the same way because I I I was like a proselytizing like minister the way I went at you know tried to get people into AA. So I do feel a moral responsibility, and I do feel it's weird when you said you felt ashamed of all your time because I did too. Like I finally don't feel that way anymore, but I'm gone now ten years. But I felt right. it like I think that is being ashamed that I was in AA all those years and feeling stupid, like maybe Leah Remini feels about being, you know. But she was brought in as a kid, so it wasn't her fault. But you know, I only felt I, that left maybe I don't know, last two or three years. And I'm glad that I don't feel ashamed anymore. But I, I think those of us who stayed dec who stayed decades, we do. You know, you go like, how stupid could one be? But I had a lawyer once email me, and he said, Monica, he must have been listening to the podcast early on, and I was, like, beating myself up about how it's going to be so stupid and so brainwashed. He said, Monica, I have a degree, a law degree from Harvard. I had money. I had a – he goes, and I was brainwashed, too. He said, cut it out. Stop doing that to yourself. And I did. Like, right there was on. just a little, a little switch that went off in me when he wrote that email to me, and I said, thank you. You're right. You really just helped me. And, um, yeah. you know, what What can we do? But do you have a platform that you help, or you just do it every day in your life? Yeah, no, no, no. You, you, you've heard of me. You, I, I, I have, I'm on Facebook with a private group, Anonymous Addictions, at My Truth About AA. Oh, okay. As Bobby, as Bobby C. sees it. Okay, and let me tell you why I say as Bobby C. sees it. Yeah. You know, people will say, well, is that a little egotistical, as Bobby C. sees it? You know why I used to go to Big Book. I used I, I used to go to uh, as Bill sees it meetings, right? Yeah. And I, I used to like this meeting because it was candlelight. You know, it was candlelight, and it was some. It kind of felt a little spiritual. I mean, it it was it wasn't bad. But then they had this, uh, uh, you know, as Bill sees it. And I used to tell oh, the yeah. people because because the last fifteen years I used to say shit in AA that no one else would say. They only thought it. 
That's mm-hmm. how bad I got because I was trying to help deprogram people. I wasn't an asshole, but I would actually what tell did you people. Say? Give us an example. I, like what you did say. I would say stuff like I would say stuff like. Uh, it's 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 not. I can't relate to this. It's not as Bill sees it. That's bullshit. It's as Bobby mm-hmm. sees it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hate that book. And, that book is such crap. Oh my god. Oh okay. You know, you know, and and you know, if we really look at, it, I'm gonna I'm doing a podcast tomorrow on uh, with with a friend of mine named Brian Sorello. My, my my name Bobby C Sorello, and I happen to hook up with Brian Sorello over in New York, and I'm doing a podcast with him, probably about an hour podcast with him tomorrow night. My my How my deal is it? like, yeah. Uh, it'll be on. It'll. I'll send it to you. I'll send it over to your group. Leave an AA. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Send yeah. me your. Yeah, I, gotta, I, I was writing it down. Yeah. Okay. Go I I got to hook up with your other. I just I just heard you mention about four other groups, and I really think that one group that you you're talking about leaving AA, but still, you know, I don't I don't like to knock the members, uh, bash the members too hard because you know why. I was a friggin' member. Right. You know? Right. That's, and, that's and what why I said. Why? And, yeah. I Go mean, ahead. there are people that are, but I don't either because I agree with – I saw happening is there were people who would come into the group either leaving AA or deprogramming, and they would start to try to say anything nice about AA, and people would go crazy. And I would be like, wait a minute. Like, okay, we're not here to promote, but I, I mean – like we don't have to like decimate a person because they found something. I mean, I, I don't like it, and I think there's a lot wrong with AA, and I think it gets needs to go away, and, and other things take its place, right? But I created it because people, I felt like they needed a place to go, and it's there. And then it was a woman who kind of runs it more than me, and you know, like Sarah is her name, and I said, look, I, I think uh, people just need a place to go. You could join that one. But I do. I want to write down the name of your group, so it's anonymous. Addictions. At as Bobby's. I mean, at my as Bobby truth about AA. My truth my about truth. AA. Okay. Anonymous and you addictions. Use, um, YouTube. Yeah. Uh, I haven't done YouTube, but I'm on. I've done a lot of podcasts with probably ten other people that put them on YouTube. So a lot of my stuff, and then I do anchor, you know, I, I, I've been doing the same thing. It's almost right. I text you. I, I, I wrote you a message, a comment underneath it. I said, it sounds like me and Monica are, are copying each other. I'm copying her. She's copying me, but we, we're not, we're telling our shit because it's so similar. Yeah. Well, so did you, you know? say it in a group? Well, it's interesting. Yeah. We should, we should talk our call fair too. So um, let's, uh, you, you were in the middle of saying something, and um, go ahead and finish. Well, Sorry, I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to email. I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you my email somehow. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, send and, it through the private message, and I'll, I'll send it to you, and then we can actually talk offline, and then maybe do a podcast together, like separate from the book. Here, we can just talk. I'll interview nah. you, but eventually, I'm doing some YouTube stuff. Uh, so, um, can I? I'm going to put you back on mute. Or you want to say one more thing? Nah, nah, I just, I'm just so glad that we're, you know, we're hooking up. That's all. That was, you know. I'm glad too. Uh, me and you, me and you have so much in common. It's pathetic. Even, you know, the freedom model. You know, Michelle, um, over at the freedom model. Yeah. She, yeah. She's got a lot. You know, her dad with the uh, Baldwin research. Oh my God. They, they yeah, left. her story. They left. They helped me so yeah. much. Yeah. She really. Yeah. She actually. I met her through a blog, and uh, I talked to her on the phone. And it was really helpful when I left because I felt so alone, so alone, and yeah. I, I wasn't. But um, 
Bobby, we'll talk again. Thank you so much for calling. I'm going to stay in. on. I'm going to stay on. And listen to the rest of the rest of the podcast, and and we'll we'll hook up. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to put you on mute. Okay. All right. Thank you, Bobby, for calling in. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There's uh, actually a couple of people have reached out to me that we sound so similar. You know, old timers who've left, and um, super interesting. Thanks again. So we'll do that. Um, all right. I'm going to keep moving. Um, here are some of the methods we have tried. Now, this was said and preached over and over in the early years, right? Especially when young people started coming into AA in the 70s after 75, by drinking beer only, limiting the number of drinks, never drinking alone, never drinking in the morning, drinking only at home, never having it in the house, never drinking during business hours, drinking only at parties, switching from scotch to brandy, drinking only natural wines, agreeing to resign if ever drunk on the job, taking a trip, not taking a trip, swearing off forever, with and without a solemn oath, taking more physical exercise, reading inspirational books, going to health farms and sanitariums, accepting voluntary commitment to asylums. We could increase the list at infinitum. So now I'm going to do what the young lady asked me to do, which is some of this actually is helpful for people to do. So they have proven that people, you know, moving out of an area and changing um, where they live is helpful. Okay, so they're wrong. It is really helpful. Um, doing Taking up more physical exercise absolutely can be helpful. Um, reading inspirational books, I don't know. I mean, I was really into it. Did it help me not drink? No, I didn't want to drink, so I didn't drink. You know, um, limiting the number of drinks is called harm reduction. Drinking beer only, it's called harm reduction if you're if you're slamming hard vodka or gin or whiskey, you know, actually tapering with beer that leads to quitting is really smart. So they use beer tapers is what they're called. And, you know, there's a really good group called Ham's Harm Reduction run by Ken Anderson on Facebook. Um, He's got a great book, but, you know, I have learned so much having left AA about ways to reduce, ways to reduce harm for other people. You know, um, really healthy things like uh, drinking a glass of water between drinks. Uh, I, I began to notice when I did drink again, I remember being at the Comic-Con with my husband and we were at some kind of Fox party and there were these guys sitting across from us and, you know, they all had a scotch or they had a beer and they had a glass of water. So a moderation management meeting because I was interested in finding about these alternatives and sadly, They've not really ever grown big, but, you know, they exist or their modalities exist online and in books. And at the time, there was a meeting at Alternatives, which was a place here in Beverly Hills. I mean, in Beverly Hills. I'm not in Beverly Hills, but you know what I mean. And anyway, there was a meeting. I took a friend of mine who got a DUI, and there was some really great tools. There were, like, only four people there, and somebody, like, a a real therapist or a therapist in training was running it. I thought it was fascinating. It was really fascinating. And one guy was doing so well because he loved to, you know, slam shots. He was a musician, and his fiancée was going to leave him if he didn't, like, straighten up his act. And she wasn't making him quit, but she was, like, just saying, look, you got to reduce. you got to reduce drinking. You're, like, driving me nuts. You know, he was, like, pretty young. He was in his 30s. And so he said that he would just go and get a beer, you know, the, the nice, like, not a, um, what is it, I think it's a 12-ounce glass that they'll do draft in or whatever. And he would sip on that, and he, he wouldn't get drunk. He wouldn't become a crazy man. But if he drank, maybe it was uh, whiskey. I don't know what he drank. But he talked about it and you know, made him crazy. But he was using harm reduction. And so 
the things that are written here are like not true anymore. Um, anyway, so going on, we do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Mm, yeah, that's right. Step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. Try it more than once. It will not take long for you to decide. If you're honest with yourself about it, it may be worth the bad case of Judas. Well, I certainly proved that, but there were people um, who certainly didn't think I was an alcoholic, and I certainly wasn't. But let me tell you something. I was called that by teachers when I was in seventh grade. So um, I went to Catholic school in New York City, and they, you know, I've said this story over and over again, but it fits right now, and we used to drink across from the nuns' convent on Friday and Saturday night, and we found out that they were, you know, had their binoculars out there, and they could see us getting drunk. And, I mean, I was 13 and 14, but I wasn't, like, the only – we were, like, getting drunk teenagers. That's pretty young, but it doesn't matter. I had a lot of friends that were all doing it, Irish Catholic neighborhood, trust me. And, you know, it took a beer and a half, and um, and I was drunk. But, uh, you know, she said, you know, Miss Macko and, you know, and my other friend, you know, stand up and you're an, al- uh, you're an alcoholic. I was like, what the fuck? And then they brought the stupid AA speakers into the school, and we had to listen to them and whatever. But... Uh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And you know what I heard? Uh, if those, what is her name? Um, Tina Dupre. D-U-P-R-Y or R-E-Y. Uh, this American Life, because she was the poster child for a young teen to join AA. And all about Alice, that stupid little cartoon literature to, you know, bring young people into their stupid fold. Um she joined AA, but this is so she, her parents, she has a gnarly story. And if you've never, I think maybe I can post the link here that on This American Life, this uh, it was incredible interview where she had just decided to leave and that she, I can't even remember now if she drank or she wanted to drink, but she was like sober for 20 years. But her parents were in a cult at first and they leave her, okay? They fucking like, left her as a 13-year-old, I think, or 12-year-old, and she went into foster care. And from foster care, they were taking kids at that age to AA, and they were telling them that they had alcoholic personalities and that they, I mean, it just, that stuff makes me sick. That's so fucking fucked up. Um, But I'll, I'll post a link on Facebook in the two groups of that incredible story. So, of course, she didn't hate AA because she had really terrible parents, and um, they dropped her off. And then, you know, she had a different experience. But she knew that she had to leave and realized that she was never an alcoholic. Um, okay, here we go. So there's no way of proving it. We believe that early in our drinking careers, what was it, a drinking career, most of us could have stopped drinking. But the difficulty is that few alcoholics have enough desire to stop while there is yet time. Okay, that's not true. We have heard a few instances. And you know what the thing is, is that back then when they were writing this book, um, you know, the people that were called alcoholic, and I put it in air quotes here, were people that were 
serious drinking problems. Like they got up in the morning and they were slamming the booze and they and they lost. I mean, he lost his job and Lois, his wife, took care of him. Lois never threw him out. Lois never, you know, made him go to rehab and gave him, you know, the tough love. No, she'd put up with his shit like forever. So these people, I mean, you know, I'd love to do a story, I mean, a show where we talk about when AA made that turn and they started telling families and loved ones to like throw your families out. They're just really bad. Um, okay, um, let's see. The difficulty, blah, blah, blah. We have heard of a few instances where people who showed definite signs of alcoholism were able to stop for a long period because of over an overpowering desire to do so. Here is one. Um, you know, I'm not going to read this. Uh, let me see. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure they never read that. Young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think they can stop as, as he did, on their own willpower. We doubt if many of them can do it because none will really want to stop and hardly one of them because of the particular mental twist already acquired. Okay, um, we'll find he can win out. Several of our crowd, men of 30 or less, and drinking only a few years, but they found themselves as helpless as those who had been drinking for 20. Um, you know, I don't know about that, but this young people, this whole paragraph here is really weird. Um, if we doubt that many of them can do it, you know, because none of them will, and they don't really want to. It's like, how do you even know how people feel? Like, there's just such presumption here that they think they know how people feel and what they think. To be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time nor take the quantities of some of us have. Now, I have this, like, highlighted, you know, and underlined, so I, I guess I was, like, trying to relate to this. This is particularly true of women. Potential female alcoholics often turn into the real thing and are gone beyond recall in just a few years Certain drinkers who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics are astonished at their inability to stop. We who are familiar with the symptoms see large numbers of potential alcoholics among young people everywhere. I mean, that's that's horseshit, just horseshit. Um, But try and get them to see it. So, And we look back, we feel we had gone on drinking many years beyond the point where we could quit on our own willpower. Um, if anyone questions whether he has entered this dangerous area, let him try leaving liquor alone for one year. Now, quitting for a whole year is actually a very long time. And the thing that I, for people who really have a problem, like that's a really big deal. But in AA, um, I don't know, you know, maybe they weren't like that back then. But, um, and I want to say this, and I probably said it last week, and I don't, I don't care, I'm going to say it every time if I have to. Bill Wilson did not just quit, all right? He in fact, used belladonna mixed with a heavy sedative. They made him a cocktail, and that's what they gave them. He was in a hospital. He was in Towns Hospital, and they mixed a very strong hallucinogen. Hello, guess what? That's what's in ayahuasca, and that's what's in psilocybin, but they add a strong, um, what did I just call it, um, relaxer, uh, as well as this, it sounds kind of crazy, which the story is they knocked them out for three days, okay? And by the way, woke up, and then you were sober, but you had already, you, you, you were over the DTs because you were on this very strong cocktail that they had concocted up, okay? So it isn't like he really had, you know, a special uh, spiritual experience, which, you know, I kind of did. Uh, when you when you quit using alcohol, if you're using it to medicate yourself and anything else, and you are in this state of wanting to be that way, you can feel euphoric, which I did for numerous months, at least six months. 
And by the way, the people in AA were not happy for me when I shared that uh, in 1975, 76. They were all they were jealous, and they said nasty remarks to me. And yet there were some kind people who didn't, but there were plenty of nasty old creeps and whatever people, even the women who were jealous that I happened to be happy because I wanted to quit. And they were like, well, whatever, you know, you really weren't a real alcoholic. And I was like, so what the fuck? Either make up your mind, make up your mind. Either want everybody to identify, don't compare. And, you know, those are the shoulda, woulda, couldas, Monica. You know, it's like, oh, fuck you. You know, people are just like, they, they really are an interesting group. Yes, there are some really, really nice people, just there's some really, really nice people on my street, and there's some really, really nice people in the church over the way there, and there's some really, really nice people that are on the beach right now. What does that have to do with anything? I mean, I know there is, so I'm I'm not attacking all the people in it. I'm attacking that this is the go-to. This is what, you know, people are are given. Um, Every pilot is now forced to attend Alcoholics Anonymous for the rest of their flying career. Just just think about that one. We're not done fighting that one, but we will be continuing to fight that. Um, for those who are unable to drink moderately, the question is how to stop altogether. We're assuming, of course, that the reader de- desires to stop, whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends on the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. Hmm. I kind of doubt that, too. Many of us felt that we had plenty of character there was tremendous urge to cease forever, yet we found it impossible. This is baffling feature of alcoholism. As we know it, this utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish. So once again, we know that if you're out there listening, um, please take a look at the C3 Foundation's website, Claudia Christian's movie, One Little Pill, and you can look, I think it was 2020, or was it 60 Minutes? No, 60 Minutes, John Hopkins did a whole piece on psilocybin and um, curing curing alcohol use disorder. Okay, um, there's a lot here. Um, I'm, I'm going to just skip over it because they're using like uh, like stories uh, that it's pretty boring to me. So um, now I'm on page 39. Let's see. Mm, let's see here. It says, but the actual or potential alcoholic with hardly an exception, will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. Oh, this is what I underlined, okay, on page 39. This is a point we wish to emphasize and re-emphasize. So let me smash, we've got to smash it again into your brain. How <laughs> They use the word smash again. Home upon our alcoholic readers, as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. All right, so... But the actual and potential, so even a potential alcoholic, with hardly any exception. What the fuck, hardly any exception? Like, what do you know, like 100 people? And then, like, this is now the truth for, like, the next 80 years? How fucked up is that? It's so fucked up, guys. This needs to change. It really needs to change. Um, we'll be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. So, uh, you know, I really hope um, maybe that President Biden, um, I know that he's got a son who's been troubled um, by his uh, drinking and drug use, and I, 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 I know that he. I mean, I don't know. I don't know him. That he doesn't drink. And when I first, when Obama was elected, I did some serious digging because you knew Obama liked. I think he smoked and he quit. Why didn't he just keep smoking? I mean, it would have made him such a more interesting person. Um, <laughs> sorry, but the whole 
political correctness thing just makes me want to vomit. Anyway, so when I saw who Biden was, uh, I was looking at all this stuff, and I was like, oh, no, like this guy doesn't drink at all, and got another guy who doesn't drink. Is he a stepper? And then I looked it up, and I dug and dug, and I could not find anything that would say. Um, I just know that he didn't drink, and it seemed that it was for a long time, but I couldn't find any more. But then his son came into the limelight, and we see that he was a problematic drinker and had some drug issues and went to rehab, but I don't know more than that. Okay, so you know what? There's not much more. Let's see, uh, page 42, about eight minutes left of the show. Um, if you are listening and you want to call in and um, maybe talk for more than you know a comment or a question, you can reach me at makeaasafer at gmail.com. If you're not on Facebook or Twitter, you can reach me through Twitter or uh, Facebook, um, Monica Richardson, or Leaving AA or the deprogramming, but makeaasafer at gmail.com. And just uh, tell me, you know, what you'd like to talk about, and uh, we can uh, discuss that. I would like, or oh, you want to call in and maybe talk for more than five minutes, where we could really have a, a good discussion. Um, I would love that. It was really fun when I had uh, Jacqueline, and uh, my sister called in another time. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me see. Um, many doctors and psychiatrists agree, and then I wrote in. This is in 1935, they agreed, not in 2021, with our conclusions. One of these men, staff member of a world-renowned hospital, recently made this statement to some of us. What you say about the general hopelessness of the average alcoholic's plight is, in my opinion, correct. As to two of you men whose stories I have heard, there is no doubt in my mind that you were 100% hopeless apart from divine help. Um, Had you offered yourselves as patients at this hospital, I would not have taken you. If I had been able to avoid it, people like you are too heartbreaking. Though not a religious person, I have profound respect for the spiritual approach in such cases as yours. For most cases, there is virtually no other solution. It was 1935, guys. And like they say that when it gets read and people with, you know, time and they're saying this to new people. But like that's not, that was like, you know, okay, that was like 1938 or whatever it was. You know, and they and, and Harvard and Mass, Mass General let all these steppers in because they didn't know what to do with chronic drinkers, people who were hopelessly addicted to alcohol, right? And so, but that was then, and this is now, and there's like other choices, you know, and, and young people shouldn't be dying from alcohol poisoning or alcohol overdose, and it's happening, and people throw their families away, and that shouldn't happen either. You know, um, and these people who give that kind of advice, well, you know, fucking Lois never did it. All right, let's just start with that, you know, and just cut the crap. I mean, the stories I hear like that, it just makes me angry. But anyway, um, okay. Um, once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases. Either he, she, or any human being can provide such defense. His defense must come from a higher power. Dun, 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 end of chapter three. So, wow. Okay, I don't have a problem with that book. If religion is what, you know, straightens you out or you find a path and you find Christ or you find Jesus or you find, um, you know, Judaism or, uh, you know, anything else and that this is a religion where you find hope and uh, you find strength, I think that is a very good thing. Nothing wrong with that. But there's no place in the court's. This is no place in a pilot's life or a nurse's life or a doctor's life. And they're all forced there, nurses and doctors. 
and we made some headway with smart with the nursing board. The nursing board is pretty tough. Um, they're probably, I don't know, maybe as bad as a school board, but um, which we're hearing all kinds of strange things about them, right? Trying to keep kids out of school. Um, but uh, somebody else in the chat room. Um, let me see. I just noticed. I'm sorry, I didn't even see this. Hi there. Welcome, welcome, welcome to my podcast. You know, I just think that it is time for things to change. And I do think that the shutdown and COVID closures and the lockdown and people, AA meetings being shut down and going virtual and going to Zoom and Smart Recovery eventually did the same thing, that that will shrink AA. And I say by 50%, what do I know, right? I mean, I don't know that, but I I do think that a lot of people left. I could see it, people coming into the groups on Facebook and realizing, oh, my God, I don't want to have to, like, actually go over there and sit with those people again. Um, Because I do think AA has really declined, like, a lot. And uh, many of us you know, fled mixed meetings and went to stag meetings. If you don't know what that is, it's, you know, men, women's meetings and guys' meetings because we were sick of all the shucking and jiving, you know, that was like a saying that was going on in those meetings. And they were actually really, really horrifically creepy, creepy people. And they were not just men. There, and Kevin can attest to this. There were some crazy-ass women in those Hollywood meetings that were certifiably nuts, that were abusive, that were probably bipolar, uh, crazy, crazy people, saying crazy things, disrupting meetings. Uh, one woman, she was thrown out of the senior center. She was so bad, behaved. And, uh, you know, people would put up with this shit like they had to. To me, it was—it's really a strange world. And I—I I went to a meeting last year, I think it was last summer or fall, because a woman contacted me, because there's a guy running this meeting in Hollywood. He's like there every morning, and he's a serious player, uh, a real user. And um, the guy's like the—he's the leader every morning. He's the speaker every morning, like he's some priest, you know. And it's in this coffee shop, and I. I went to witness it and, and say something, and, and I shared. And I, I, I couldn't believe what I saw and heard. I was just like, wow, how the fuck did you ever sit in these meetings? But, you know, um, I did. And I got out, and I escaped. And a lot of people have. And that's the good part. And uh, you notice I didn't say, that's the good news. No, no. You know, there's always like, oh, you got to look for the bright side. Well, that's nice. But we're not into cliches here. You know, and language, language is key. So if you just first left or you're, you know, you're only gone a short time, the language that we use, and I'm still learning it, you know, in all different ways and forms and shapes, how the language that I use, and um, but especially when you're leaving, stop using their language. And it's called loaded language is what gets used in cults. And it's a special language that keeps... The wink, wink, nod, nod when you see another AA member at a party that's not an AA party and you're like, oh, how you doing, man, uh, you know, and they use, like, start using AA language. It's like, what for? Like, can't you talk like a normal person? Like, I don't even know why that goes on. But, you know, I actually didn't like it even years ago when I was a stepper. I, I hated that kind of people connecting that way or feeling like they had to talk like that. And 
oh, yeah, I know her from AA. And I was like, will you shut up? Like, I don't tell people that I'm in AA. I'm not, like, proud of it. But did you have famous people bragging about it, you know, like Elton John, like he just went on and on. There was somebody else recently where they just on bragging about that they're sober. And that's like, nobody gives a shit. Like, nobody gives a shit, okay? Like, so what? Let's, like, move on. Um, you know, I think if you if you are able to stop and you're going crazy, that's great, okay? I don't want to, like, you know, minimize for anybody if things were really bad. But then, you know, to get in the in the public when you're famous... You know, it's that's really breaking the spiritual principle of alcoholics. Anonymous. I think there's a word. Oh yeah, it's called anonymous. That's why people were anonymous. No, <laughs> it didn't matter. It's like so stupid. But anyway, it's enough for tonight. I'm wrapping up. My name is Monica Richardson. I want to thank you all for joining me. Thank you, Bobby C, for calling in and listening. Thank you, Tom, who dropped off a little while ago. Thank you, Kevin for um, being out there listening. And I love you guys, and I'll be doing a show next week, and I'll see you then. Take care until then, and see you on, I guess, in the Internet, in the groups, Facebook, and there you go. Good night, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.